Welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. MH. Yes, he is the DB of the show, and we are Black in Sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom, uh, covering it all, laughing at it all, while providing a platform to be heard. So you know how we do. Just to get it started, we got to introduce our guest. So we want to welcome. She's a speaker, advocate, award-winning creator. All right. She's a crown holder, and of as the 2022 Miss Wisconsin, she's also an NBA champ. So her current role with the Milwaukee Bucks is in partner uh, partner strategy and management. Please, 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 please. Without further ado, please clap it up for Hollis Celeste Brown. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Woo, what the intro. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, Ms. Brown, how we start the show is we uh, do it with a shoot your shot moment. So it's real simple. You know, you just kind of go uh, give us a quick story of how you shot your shot. You could have won. Uh, you could have had to make you uh, recover with a rebound and uh, learn something from it. But anytime, you know, it could have been your younger days in your work career. But uh, anytime you shot your shot. Ooh, I am a girl of the DMs. I will always slide into the DMs to get to know somebody, to get to know their story, get to know how they got to where they are. And actually a few years ago, um, when I had a podcast called Outnumbered, all of my outbound research and information was all through the DMs. Sometimes people responded, sometimes they didn't. The people that didn't respond, I know who you are. I kept <laughs> mental tabs, but if you did respond, forever grateful for those people because now they are a part of my tribe. So you got to always slide in the DMs. It's not just for dating, it's for a career too. Let's go. <laughs> I like it. Um, where's your love for, for sports start? Ooh, so I am not the typical work and sports person. So I always like to say I am an only child on my dad's side, but then I do have a brother on my mom's side, but I'm pretty sure my dad wanted a son because he would always take me to football games and basketball games. And I was not cheering for a specific team. I was just there for the vibes. I was like, this is fun. This is cool. But overall, just enjoyed having that time with my dad. And then once I got to college, I attended Virginia Tech. And so while we were always going to the different football or basketball games, especially football, because it is a very big football school being D1. But while everybody was watching the game, I was always watching the people on the sideline trying to figure out, okay, that actually looks like a really fun job. How do I get to do what they're doing? And the more I got ingrained in this industry, I grew a love for sports in the sense of what it stands for. I really enjoy getting people excited. There's nothing like sports where different people of backgrounds, different ethnicities, different races can all come together and just cheer for their favorite team. And I really saw it when um, I was working for the Milwaukee Bucks when we won the championship and you just look at strangers and you're just screaming and hugging each other and crying and you don't even know that person, you'll probably never see them again, but you all are excited for this one common goal. And so for me, I just love creating experiences for people, whether it's small groups that never have the opportunity to come to a game or whether it's families that want to come and spend more time together, or even whether it's businesses that are coming out for whatever specific reason that they have. So I thoroughly enjoy 
creating the experience of sports. And then from there, my love of watching a team has grown. There you go. So born now, were you born in North Carolina or did I just make that up somewhere? Oh, it's okay. I get that a lot. I've been all over. So okay. born and raised in Savannah, Georgia. And ah, then I was there all the way up until 18. And from there, I ended up um, going to Blacksburg, Virginia to go to Virginia Tech. After graduation, I lived in Atlanta for a little bit. I lived in Charlotte for a little bit. I was in Gainesville, Florida for a little bit. And now I'm in Milwaukee. So I've been honestly everywhere. <laughs> MH knows a little bit about that travel. So give me a little bit. So I know the other cities, right? So mm -hmm. how is living in Milwaukee? And we'll get to the job aspect of it in the next yeah. segment. But how is it living in Milwaukee? Yeah, it is different. So being <laughs> and different in a sense of I, when I was applying for a job, so I, before I got to Milwaukee Bucks, I worked for ESPN and I was in Charlotte and I would just pray for God, um, pray to God after the pandemic that I wanted something new. I wanted a new environment. I wanted a new city. I just needed something different. I didn't know it was going to be Milwaukee, but he gave me something new and something different. And so we came up to Milwaukee. It snows here. So the Southern girl in me does not like that too much. But outside of that, the summers are gorgeous. Like we're right on the water. Um, we're right by the Great Lakes. There's so much to do. You can get on the boat. There's rivers that go through the city. Like it is an absolutely beautiful city. So the, the living everywhere, I, as, as EJ mentioned, I have a lot of experience living other way. My parents were in military, so I got to see a, a lot of the country and a lot of the world in general. But what are some things that you have learned, I guess, that you can take from your childhood and, and obviously bounce around from Savannah, Georgia to, um, you know, to Virginia and then, you know, your other stops in your career. But what are some things that you have just kind of learned about people, as you mentioned people earlier? Yeah, I would say just be a nice person. You never know someone's background or journey. And even if you're meeting them for the first time, that's one small blip on their grand scheme of life. And so you don't know just how that person's life is going, what led them to that moment or why they're supposed to be in your life. You know, they always say people are in your life for a reason or a season. Um, and there's a third one that I can't remember, but everybody comes into your path for a reason. So I would say always lead with kindness because you just never know. And if you can't lead with kindness and if you ain't got nothing nice to say, just don't don't say nothing at all. <laughs> what led you to Virginia Tech? Oh, my mom. My mom led me to Virginia Tech and I was fighting hard. I was fighting her so hard because I did not want to go there. Growing up in Savannah, so I actually went to a performing arts high school called Savannah Arts. And being there, I was always, or honestly, a lot throughout my um, elementary, middle and high school life, I was always a minority. And so once I was getting ready to graduate, I was like, I'm going to an HBCU. I'm either going to Howard or Hampton and we're going to figure this out. But Virginia Tech was giving me the most money. And so I had to bite the bullet. And when I tell you I fought my mama so hard, I was like, well, what if I go to Virginia Tech for a semester and then I just like transfer and all this stuff. But then I got to Virginia Tech and I loved it. I loved it so much that I ended up being like an orientation leader. I ended up working for the men's basketball team. I was very ingrained <laughs> in the Virginia Tech culture. So I'm pretty sure if freshman Hollis could see senior Hollis in college, you'd be like, girl, what are you doing? We were supposed to have been at Howard a long time ago, but here you are living it up in your maroon and orange. <laughs> there it is. 
So what is the favorite sport, right? Like, so dad was taking you to football games, right? You worked in basketball. And like I said, I don't want to take too much thunder from when we get to that section, but you worked in basketball. Now you work in basketball, right? So mm-hmm. what's the sport? And then you surprise me, you'll say something like lacrosse, but I'll be. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite sport right now, I love tennis. But I also do thoroughly enjoy working in basketball, but I am obsessed with obsessed with tennis right now. I played for a very, very small amount of time when I was in middle school. I wish I would have stuck with it because I didn't realize that tennis players are tall. So I probably would have done very well given that I'm 5'10". Five, five, but overall, I love tennis. And I even saw that Netflix, Netflix came out with their part two of Breakpoint. So I will probably be binge watching that all weekend. What about tennis that 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 that, that, that sparks you? Especially because you it's a you're in the you know we'll get into other parts of your career, but you know yeah. you kind of did some things solo. So what about mm-hmm. tennis sparked your interest? It's just so intense. And also growing up, um, I went to the U.S. Open. My mom would take me, and growing up in that Serena and Venus Williams era, so definitely obsessed with them, but then also just seeing the growth of the industry and knowing that it's all on you. So win or lose and giving it your all. And even win or lose within tennis, there's only one winner because there's only one Grand Slam title holder. And then if you lose, then you're just, you lost until the next round. So there's just so much pressure that goes into it. There's so much discipline. There's so much skill too that I I am amazed at what they can do. So with the arts, right, you, you kind of you went to a performing arts school and things like that. Where did ballet, dance and tap come from? Like, did you, <laughs> yeah, was that in the mix? You know, what I mean, I know you, you're, you're showing off those skills now, right? maybe a little later in another journey. But what is that when it started? Oh, that's crazy. You really did your research. Um, Yes. So dance was always in my family. My aunt actually danced where she did ballet, tap and jazz. And then she ended up being my dance teacher. And so it ended up being just kind of a family experience. And I believe my grandmother, she also danced. So she grew up in New York. So she was around Dance Theater of Harlem and just the real part of the of the um art industry and so growing up with them and now my cousin she dances she goes to uga and she was a dance major so it's very ingrained in my family let's go all right kind of switching it over and want to jump into you know in the game we call this in the game and just really talking more about your career we've you know touched a a couple of those things but i kind of overheard the story about how you got started in the sports. And, you know, I, I don't like to recreate content. Like I always like our show to be individual, but mm-hmm. I think it's great story to share. And I'm just going to lead you with a hundred applications. And I think, you know, uh, <laughs> where I'm going after I say that, please share that with our audience. Yes. So earlier, how I mentioned, I was going to Virginia Tech football games and watching the people on the sideline and Later on, I think I told my counselor that I wanted an opportunity in sports. And so at the time, our school had an athletic marketing internship position. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to apply. I'm a part of all these marketing clubs. I should be a shoe-in. And so I got to the interview, and I completely remember where it went wrong. They asked me what was my favorite sports marketing promotion. I didn't know. I was like, when we all wear the orange shirts, I did not get the job. (laughs) So looking back, I completely understand, but I was heartbroken at the time. And so 
from there, I was like, how can I make it so that next year when I apply, I want to say this was going into my junior year. Um, so I was like, how do I make it so when I apply for my senior year that it's impossible for them to tell me no? Like, what can I add to my resume that they have to accept me no matter what comes out of my mouth? Because I have the experience to back it up. And so from there, I went on the Forbes list. And at the time, I believe they had the 100 top sports agencies and companies. And I applied to every single internship that was on that list for all of the companies one by one. Yes, it took me forever, but I applied to all of them. And then I only heard back from two. One was Wasserman and I don't remember the other one. They're relevant because they didn't choose me because I only got an offer from one, which was Wasserman. And so I ended up going to Carlsbad, California for the summer, which was also my first time in California. So that was a very, very fun time. But in the Carlsbad Wasserman office, that is their action sports division. So a lot of skateboarding, snowboarding, um, all of the action-y Olympic type sports happen there. And so overall, 10 out of 10 recommend to this day. I absolutely love Wasserman as a company and all the people that I met there. And so when I came back to Virginia Tech, I reapplied for the athletic marketing position and then I got it. So it, it clearly it worked out. Wasserman is like massive, like oh, massive, massive. Like yeah. how was it <laughs> just getting started in the, in the sports industry there? Because I, I, I've heard how massive it is. Yeah, I think at the time, I didn't realize how big of a deal it was. Like I knew because maybe it was like top three on the um, Forbes list at the time. But mm -hmm. so I knew, but I didn't know, you know. Mm -hmm. And so the Carlsbad office is a smaller office. So it's very intimate. I was very close with my director. Um, and even there, our intern class was just three people. And so it was myself and then other two males one went back and forth between the LA office and the Carlsbad office. So he wasn't really there. And then the other one, he had another internship with Sony. And so he was back and forth. And so most of the time it was just me <laughs> in the office trying to figure it out. And um, overall, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And now growing into the industry and seeing everything that they do and accomplish, I love that they gave me my opportunity. And I think that's also what has propelled me so far, especially such so early in my career, I want to say that still very grateful for them. Shout out to Wasserman. We've had a, a Wasserman alum. Uh, we had Laura Walters Brown, which is uh, she's part of the Wasserman Collective, yeah. uh, which Ooh. is the women's division that they focus on that. And it's just yeah. like, to MH's point, there's so many different you know levels and lanes and layers to that from um, <laughs> from every end of sports. You were just talking about kind of one of those. Yep. So from that. You know, and you talk about like looking at a list and working for a company that was, you know, in the top five, right? And then you go over to Massive. ESPN, right? Like, <laughs> yo, like, so tell us that transition and how that happened. <laughs> so that story is also funny. Again, it was my mom. So at the time I was working in Atlanta for a company called the Aspire Group, and I was actually doing ticket sales. So they are a third party ticket sales company. Um, with different 
events that happen or even some collegiate programs. And so I was actually a sales associate for the US Open. So back to the whole tennis thing, but I was a sales associate for the US Open. And while I was there working hard, living my best life, my mom calls me and she's like, well, I have a conference at Disney this weekend. And I just met a woman that works for ESPN. And I told her you were unemployed. And I was like, well, why did you tell her that? Because clearly I have a job. Like, why did you do that? And she was like, yeah, I know, but forget that job. Send me your resume, send me your website. And at the time I had a digital portfolio. So mm -hmm. basically a website in resume form. And it was very pretty. I had detailed everything that I've done. It had metrics. It had a little about me page. It was very thorough. So I sent that over to them. And I want to say the following week, I got an email um, from the woman at ESPN that was just an entry call just to learn more about the position, tell them about myself, what my interests were. And so I always had to like sneak away in that job to try to answer those calls because you're not going to tell ESPN no. And so I was like, you know, I'll see what happens. So I took the call maybe that Monday or Tuesday. The call went well. And she was like, well, we want to set up a call for you to meet the rest of the team. Are you available on Friday? And so I made myself available. We had the call Friday morning. By lunchtime on Friday, I had an offer letter. And so I know it's crazy when God has something for you, like nobody can tell you no. And so I was so, so excited for that opportunity. And then even in the moment, you're like, you don't believe it. You're like, am I really about to quit my job, pick up everything and move to Charlotte at the time? That's where their office was. So moved to Charlotte, worked for ESPN. And it's like, of course, I'm going to pick up my life and move to Charlotte. But another funny story that I don't tell often is when I first got there, my first day on a job at the Charlotte office. So the way Charlotte is broken up, they kind of have like two buildings that they're a part of. They have the main building. And then there's so many people that they actually take up another building that's across the street from the parking lot. And so I go into the main building, you know, happy and eager, ready to go. And I'm like, hi, I'm here for Will. He's going to be my manager. And I could say Will because he's still a mentor now, love him to death. But I was like, I'm here for Will. Where can I find him? And they're like, we don't have a Will that works here. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? Right. I was like, I have the email, like I've I've interviewed with Will. He told me to meet. And they were like, they don't know, we don't know what you're talking about. And so it took me 20, 30 minutes to figure it out. I'm calling him and he's not answering because he's in a meeting. I'm like, oh, I've been punked. I don't love Atlanta and now I'm here and I don't actually have a job. But then he ends up walking over because he realizes that I'm here and tell me why he comes into the building and the security guard goes, Oh, William. Yeah. You two and two together. I stop. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. To this day, I'm still very upset with that security guard because <laughs> I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> you already nervous because it's your first day and you couldn't put Will and William together. <laughs> He's like, I, I know William and Willie. I don't know who Will is. I don't know who this Will is. <laughs> I was like, Maybe okay. Bill. I don't know Will though. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So one of the, one of the uh, opportunities that you had at uh, ESPN was the I got to get my college football in. Was the college football awards? And I know you were probably at the, the the peak of some of these stars that uh you know we see nowadays on the NFL. Like, what are some uh, things that you remember from that? And uh, you know working with their families at such a, a, a momentous time? Like what, what was your memory of that? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like looking back, all I can do is laugh. And I always enjoy calling my dad and telling him all these interactions that I had because he's like, what? You met so-and-so? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, who's that? And he's just like, why don't you know who this is? They got an award and I was like, oh, good for them. Like, I love that. They did so great. And he's like, okay, we're done talking because <laughs> how did you even get in this position? But overall, um, I don't know. I think I just raised my hand to be a part of the College Football Awards and just raising my hand for any opportunity and volunteering. Honestly, I can't even tell you who I met. Probably a lot of people. I do not know, which is why I think I'm a great person to work in sports because sure. I don't get starstruck. Because nine times out of 10, I don't know who you are, but I'm super excited to meet you and I wish you all the best. So I don't know. I know that probably wasn't the answer you were looking for. No, no. I mean, because honestly, that's probably the, to your point, it's probably why you're super good at your role. Mm -hmm. um, and it probably puts them at ease too. Cause I mean, I think they probably get tired of people uh, you know, trying to take pictures and get starstruck. They just want to yeah. be treated like a normal individual. And so when they meet people that treat them just like an everyday person that they are, I think they appreciate that. So no, mm -hmm. it, it was the answer that I was. Yeah. 100%. People are always going up to them and like, can I have a picture? Meanwhile, I'm like, hmm, do you like the Cheesecake Factory? And everybody's <laughs> looking like, what is she asking? <laughs> <laughs> The well, NIL money now is probably they probably advanced past the Cheesecake Factory. I, mean, I know, I, and I'm just like, well, talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you, you hit you hit Miles in his in his soft spot, man, because that's when we're out and we're doing certain things. Yeah. One of his things is we talk about is the adult kid fan, man. Like when these adults are pushing these little kids out Ooh. the way <laughs> to get pictures, and like we've seen, like I, I'm pretty sure you've seen it, like yes. now, right? It, it, mm -hmm. It's a bit much. So <laughs> we, we definitely put a stamp on that's probably why or one of the reasons, excuse me, not probably, but one of the reasons of many of why, you know, this role kind of excels for you. Yeah, 100 percent. I've seen it all at this point. <laughs> all right. So not to skip over anything in between, but now you get with the Bucks. So how does that transition happen? Right. Like, I mean, you're on a roll at this point. So <laughs> so how did you get with the Bucks? Yeah. So. In a sense, the pandemic was like a blessing and a curse for me in my career, because at the time, very early on in the pandemic, nobody knew what was going on. And so I unfortunately was let go from ESPN because at the time I was a contract position. So of course, when everything's going on, we're the first to go. <laughs> and so it wasn't that long. I think maybe a month into the pandemic, um, I was left to just kind of figure it out. And so for the whole beginning of the pandemic, at that time, you know, everybody's scrambling. So you're just applying to everything. You want to conquer and just get your name out there. You just need a job. And I think maybe towards the end of that year, I figured what year it was, because at that time, the pandemic is kind of like a blur. I saw either it was a podcast or a post on Instagram where it was like, when you're applying to these jobs, get intentional about what you want. And so I was like, okay, instead of applying to everything, I know I wanna work in corporate partnerships. How can I find jobs that align with corporate partnerships? And if they don't, then I'm not gonna apply. 
So was that the greatest strategy? Probably not because your girl needed money in the pandemic, but in the long run, it ended up working out. And so at the time, um, the NBA were doing the first year of their future sales starts program. And so once I saw that, it's had a focus on sales and corporate partnerships. And so I was like, oh, this is it. Like, we're going to apply to this. We're going to make it all the way down. And so I want to say leading up to the um, leading up to the application, I didn't even take my own advice. My own advice is just always apply whether you think you're qualified or not, because let them tell you no. Don't tell yourself no. But when I saw that opportunity, I was telling myself, no, I was like, oh, you're not ready. You don't need to apply. They're going to pick somebody else. Why even waste your time? And so going back and forth, literally the last day of the application, I decide I'm going to apply. That same day, my computer dies and my charger dies. So I can't even charge my computer. And so I, um, the name I mentioned earlier, Kelly, who was co-host of our old podcast, I immediately called Kelly and I'm like, hey, I need your help. I need you to apply to this opportunity for me. So we're on FaceTime and she's, I'm telling her like what to put in all the answers. I'm typing it up and she submits it probably 11, 11.30, of course, the deadline is midnight. So we get it submitted. And at that point, I'm like, you know, it is in God's hands. Whatever happens, happens. And so we get it submitted. Um, later on in a week, I figure out that I made it to the next round. The next round was video interviews. And again, I'm so nervous because this is the NBA. I was like, they're going to have a bunch of people that are amazing. What am I going to do to set myself apart? Right. And so in the video interviews, usually, because, you know, I've done, a, I've done a good number of video interviews. Usually they give you the video interview where you answer the question, you record yourself. And if you don't like it, you can scratch it. Right. Yep. You can scratch it. The NBA did not do that with, <laughs> with this application. And so in one of the interviews, I literally go, I don't even know why I said that. I want to start. Over. And I went to start it and end it. And it didn't end. <laughs> It did not exit out. And so after that, I just got myself together, quickly answered the question. Once it was over, I was like, well, that's a wrap. You are not going to get chosen because that was just not a good answer at all. God willing, again, I was selected. So thankfully, maybe all my other answers were strong and <laughs> helping me get to the um, helping me get to the end. But Overall, I was able to become a part of that program. It was an absolutely amazing program. And what it did was, I want to say at the time, bi-weekly or maybe even monthly, we met with different NBA executives. They shared case studies with us. They shared tips and tricks. They went over resumes. They went over interviewing. They went over literally how to get a job with the NBA 101 is what it was. And so at the time, again, still very much, very much unemployed. And so my mom is on me like, well, you need to start talk, speaking up in these sessions because you need a job. You need it to get it together. And so I'll never forget. It was um, the session right around Christmas where they gave us the task. You had to do an elevator pitch. So you had to pretend you were in the elevator with an executive, tell them what you want to do, how you want to go about it um, and record yourself and submit it. And so out of the 30 people, I want to say were in our class, they were only going to show five. And so again, in my head, I'm like, well, girl, you need a job. So you, whatever you do, you need to make sure that you are one of those five that gets played in the session. And thankfully enough, my video was one that got played. Looking back, I 
I like to say I'm introverted. I'm an introverted extrovert, but I can be very bubbly and personable when I want to be. Um, and so in my video, it was very much over the top. So I was like, I can see why I was selected <laughs> because it had all of the energy, probably a lot of energy compared to some of the other videos. But from there, just so many people reached out to me and really enjoyed my energy. And so I was able to meet with um, a lot of different teams within the league. But the one that really stuck out to me was the Milwaukee Bucks. And I, every conversation that I had with them, they are amazing people on the court, in the front office, and even when they're interviewing. And one thing that I think is really funny is back when I said being intentional about, <laughs> intentional, that's not a word, intentional about the opportunity. I was roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> about being intentional about the opportunities that I wanted. While I was talking to the Milwaukee Bucks, they were telling me that they wanted someone in a sales role. I did sales for the US Open and I was not trying to do any more sales. <laughs> that was not for me. But I told them, I was like, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity and I want to come in and learn as much as I can, but I want you to know that my end goal is to get to corporate partnerships. So if you can help me get to corporate partnerships, then I'm 10 tones down for y'all. And some people might not agree. Looking back, I don't think you're supposed to tell an employer that's hiring for one position that you want another. But it worked out because as soon as I got there, they introduced me to Karita, who is the senior VP of partner strategy and management for the Milwaukee Bucks, also an African-American woman. She is absolutely amazing. And so being able to lay that foundation and know learning the business, learning the sales, learning how the bucks operate. And then when an opportunity did arise within the corporate partnerships team, I was able to raise my hand, interview and accept the position. So sometimes you have to ask for it. And if the opportunity, if the opportunity is for you, it will present itself. But if it's not, then it won't because so many people once they were telling me they were hiring for sales and I was like, oh, I want to go into corporate partnerships. I never heard from them again. <laughs> and I I can understand that because you are trying to fill this specific role, but what's for you is for you all the time. Yeah, shout out to the Bucks for that and, and shout out to you for the honesty. I, you know, <laughs> I can I, go either way. So like, you know, God mm -hmm. is good. So I was like, the worst they can tell me is no. Yeah, I'm not afraid exactly. of those. <laughs> That's interesting. The corporate partnership world and uh, ej knows this world ej knows i ask him uh, you know essay questions about this uh i don't know at least once or twice a month about just <laughs> that world. but can you is it like juggling like almost like you work for two organizations essentially because you kind of have to help the partner but obviously you got to be you know solid with the butts that has to work in line just come on give me the background give me some some tricks and trades to this because i i still don't get it all the way i really don't you know, in a sense, I like it because how I mentioned earlier, I don't know too many metrics about sports. Like I can't tell you how many triple doubles Giannis had all season. I'm not that girl for you. Well, you but know Giannis gets triple doubles though. So that's true. Yeah, that's true. I know those. <laughs> but I do thoroughly enjoy seeing outside brands and things that I'm passionate about and seeing how I can integrate them with the Bucks or whether it's just different industries overall. And for example, um, 
one of our partners is SC Johnson, and they're really big on sustainability and have really been challenging us to figure out how we can become more sustainable within the Milwaukee Bucks practice. And so just, I think it allows me to be creative. So from Virginia Tech, I had a marketing degree and I always tried to figure out how I was gonna use that. And I think corporate partnerships is the best way because you get the creative side, you get the events planning side, you get the social media side, you are basically doing everything and a lot of account management as well. And there's some sales in there. So I guess I still use that still too. <laughs> Definitely part of it. <laughs> So was Paul in there uh, in the sales department when you? Yes, he was my first call with the Bucks. He That's honestly, awesome. he is the reason I am here. Yeah, he he's the reason a lot of people. Are. He's uh, he's a good people. He's definitely good people and uh, works with the BSP out there. So shout out to Paul always. Yeah. All right. So now on this roller coaster of success in the job <laughs> career, right? And then it's just out of nowhere. It's like. Right, so like, so it's black in sports, so this is like monumental for us right now, right? Like, so, so you're killing it in the work path, but you know, as we said in the opening, you know, Miss Miss Milwaukee 2020 was I'm sorry, not Milwaukee, it's Wisconsin, excuse me, but uh, mm -hmm. 2022, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that is like amazing right so you're killing it at work and then you're like yo i'm I'm gonna I'm go fulfill this passion so talk to us about that you're the first pageant person that we've had on the show we've had um sports what's a, a bodybuilding and fitness competition but the first right. pageant person so so many questions yes so just tell us how you got started we're gonna we're just gonna hit you with so many questions about this because this is awesome Yes, thank you. I got started when I was in college and you can see behind me, I have my wall of sashes here, but I got started when I was in college, my sophomore year, I competed for Miss Black and Gold for Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And who knew that that opportunity would honestly change my life. And so from there, um, I ended up winning that pageant. And then fast forward, I didn't compete in a pageant again until I graduated, where I later became Miss Black Virginia USA. And then just watching um, pageants and kind of becoming a little obsessed with it. I absolutely love pageantry, but I think I was watching Miss USA one year and I texted one of my really good friends, his name is Darius, and he was also over the Miss Black and Gold pageant when I did it. And I was like, I think that's what I want to do next. I think I want to be come or compete at Miss USA? How do we get there? And he's like, okay, well, you know, sleep on it. Let me call some people. Let's talk it through. Let's figure it out. We'll talk about it later. And I was like, okay. And as soon as we got off of the phone, I emailed the people and was like, hey, I want to sign up. So <laughs> I am very impulsive once my mind is made up. And I was like, we'll figure the rest out later. But it has been, uh, I want to say maybe a three, four year, just very much evolving journey of growth and personal development. And I think overall, when you think about pageantry, you see the gowns, you see us on a swimsuit, you see the glitz and glamour. And I love that because where else do you get to wear a gown? But on the flip side of that, there's just so much discipline that goes into pageantry. You're working on yourself. Like when you think about pageants, you are the product. 
So you are getting critiqued. You're getting critiqued in how you speak. You're getting critiqued in how you walk. You're getting critiqued in how you present yourself. And it's not in a bad way, but it's really to bring out your best self. And I also attribute all of my success so far and hopefully my future success and growth to pageantry because so many mock interviews, so much personal and self-development that comes from it mm -hmm. that I truly 100% know who I am as a person and what I can bring to different opportunities or organizations as a whole. It's definitely dedicated because, like I said, from the fitness standpoint, we've had Ivory Tab and Jacqueline, who's like both in the fitness. And mm -hmm. Ivory was just talking like you just caught her before she kind of goes into that mode. So definitely mm -hmm. know that dedication part is is definitely from so all the facets, right? Like you said, the interviews and the fitness and just, you know, just keeping up with work. You had some image? Yeah. Do you have a like a, a coach as you go through the process? Is it, a lot of it self-start? How, how does that part work? Yeah, I had a whole team behind me and they were there from the very beginning with me. They saw all the tears, <laughs> all the happiness, all of everything in between, because I am a crier. I cry when I'm sad, when I'm mad, when I'm happy, when I'm excited. I could see a puppy and start crying. So I am very much emotional. But overall, um, this woman named Christina, she was my interview coach. Absolutely amazing and working with me. I want to say for um, a few months we would meet bi-weekly and then as you get closer to the pageant we started meeting weekly so having that going on and then I also had um, a trainer I work with this woman called Morgan Morgan I actually just started working out with her again yesterday tip for everyone do not take time off from working out because I feel it so much and I hate myself for taking a break because my body hurts but overall very grateful for them and then I also have um, honestly, a community of people. So Darius that I mentioned earlier, and then um, another man that's named Medley, and then my family as well. So how do you get like a coach? Is it like recruiting? Like, do they recruit you or do you recruit them? Is it like, you know, the top? Like, is it like, a, you know, they do scouting, right? And they're like, all right, yeah. who's the top trainer? Who's the top interview coach? And like, is there like, you know, uh, a, a Beckett or something that you can go to that to find out who's who in the world? Yeah, it's honestly a little bit of both. Um, there is a list. So the pageant world, really, and the more I get, the deeper I get into pageantry, the more I see how big this really is. But there's a whole pageant world and they do pageant awards of like, who's the best interview coach and who does this? And they base it on just how many wins they've helped somebody get. But I think what's really important is interviewing different people and seeing what's the best fit for you. I went through a lot of trainers because I personally do not like working out. So I needed someone that was going to help motivate me, make it fun, but then also be patient with me when I am having those moments. And then same for the interview coach, because you need someone that's going to understand you as a person and work with you, but then also understand that life is so much bigger than pageants. So it's like, I know I'm helping you for this one specific goal, but how does this goal translate to everything that you're doing in life? And you get to pick out the gowns and all, all the outfits and the, the, the type of heels you want? Or is that like the coach like, hey, I think this is what you need to go with? How does that yeah. work? Um, well, you get to pick it out. So you are the core person. They always say that you should love what you're wearing. And then, of course, the coaches come in and are like, oh, well, maybe let's tweak this. Or what do you think about this? But at the end of the day, it is your decision. But they are there to offer advice, especially if it's going to help and give like a second opinion. 
so in that world, right, like we we face diversity issues where we don't see a lot of us in almost every realm except on the court, right? If you're talking about the top four sports. Mm -hmm. So do you see that in um in the pageant world from one a contestant perspective and then also these these coaches and these trainers that you're working with, do you see that a lot or is it better or, or where what state are we in, I guess I should say? Yeah, we still have a very long way to go within diversity and inclusion within the pageant world and from all aspects of it. So from a contestant standpoint, if you just look at all of the title holders, especially for Miss USA, I want to say this might be a good year, um, but still it doesn't really even out or doesn't represent the community that we have within the USA as a whole. And so I would say that's definitely something that we can work on. And then also um, Deshauna Barber, who is a former Miss USA, she, and I don't want to misspeak and get her year wrong, but um, she actually just came out with a podcast. And one of the episodes is what she learned as being Miss USA. And mm. she, I want to say she was Miss USA either 2019, 2020. I shouldn't know this. Don't quote me. I'm sorry. But um, she mentioned how she was the first she wasn't the first African-American woman to win Miss USA, but she was the first dark-skinned woman to win Miss USA outside of Kenya Moore, which was back in um, the early 90s, late 80s. And what was Vanessa Williams was something, right? Like, that's the she whole thing. Miss right? America. So, so that's, that's the whole thing running the different, like, the different pageant yes. levels. Right? Like, so there's different like boxing. <laughs> we, mm -hmm. we don't know all the different belts. <laughs> I know I get that question too, but yep, that was Miss America. And so within Miss USA, um, according to Deshauna Barber, there were only two dark skinned African American women that have won, and that was Kenya Moore and her. And she goes through how much colorism that she faced being the winner and how many people were upset that she won and didn't feel that she deserved to win simply by the complexion of her skin. And I'm not going to say race because we've had some other African-American win, but the complexion and how rich and deep her skin tone was. And I think that is a problem because especially in something that preaches women empowerment and all these positive things, there are elements, but you can't pick and choose where you're empowering women. You're either all in or you're not. So I don't know. I think there's just a lot more room to grow within the industry. And then even as far as sponsors where you always see even um, actors or models talk about it too, how they have hairstylists or makeup artists on set, but they only know how to do one shade. They don't know how to do the shade of everybody. And it's like, well, how are you going to be a sponsor for this winner? And you're not sure how to do their hair or not sure how to, you know, really assess them. And so another example, um, Sabrina, she was a Miss Massachusetts USA. She had a sponsor that did not know how to handle kinky curly hair. And so she had her sponsor come with her to her personal stylist and learn how to do her hair. Because for your year, you have to work with the sponsors. You can't, well, you can use your personal people, but you can't really talk about it because the sponsors are paying to help you prepare for that next level. And so she took the sponsor to her personal stylist so that way they would know how to handle and how to you know, work with her hair and love on her hair. So I think it goes into educating people as well that there's not just one type of winner, there's not just one type of woman, pageantry is a one size fits all and just being a little more inclusive as well. 
and I mean, just recently, like there was that where, and I'm going to get them wrong. That's what I do on the show. But um, where we had, um, you know, a black woman in all of the three levels, right? Like, uh, like Miss America, teen, yeah, know, whatever those categories are. And I apologize for yeah. butchering them. But that was just recent, right? Like that was in the last what five years, three years, something like that. It was, and it was actually, um, it was Miss Teen USA. It was Miss Teen USA, Miss USA, Miss America, Miss Universe, and Miss World were actually all African-American women. Let's go. Come on, pageant facts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll pull, I'll pull a little something out there for you a little bit. A little bit. All right. Um, having too much fun here. We're probably going to uh, pull some more of these questions around this once we get to the winner's circle. But uh, MH, I'm going to turn it over to you for uh, some of these quick hits, man. I was just kind of quick get to know you questions. I'm sure – you're going to breeze through these pretty quick. But first time I've ever you've been starstruck. I sat next to Big Sean on an airplane. So that was probably the first time. Top three movies. Ooh. Um, no, this is like my favorite movie. Why am I forgetting? Men in Black. Love Men in Black. Um, Hercules is probably up there. And I don't know. I'm trying to think what movie do I watch all the time? Something with music in it. I'm really big on musicals. <laughs> Somewhere okay. I can sing. Okay. Uh, would you be a, a comedy or like a horror movie if you had to pick one of the two? Oh, comedy. I do not like being scared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite place that you travel to and uh, the top food there? Ooh. I would say last um, last summer I went to Mexico with Miss USA. Actually, all the contestants were flown out to Mexico, and that's when I had ceviche for the first time. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. That had to be the freshest, like livest ceviche ever. It was. It was so good. Okay, uh, strangers, if you can share, I, I really I'm interested in the questions that they ask on stage. So, strangers on stage question. Maybe two that you got during your competition. I would say it's not a strange question. I just didn't like the way I answered it. But one was, if you can be on the cover of any magazine, what would it be? And I said Vogue because at the time, the Double Wears Prada loved the movie. But I really want to be in the Forbes 30 under 30. So I should have said Forbes. I don't know why that didn't come out of my mouth. So it wasn't weird, but just thinking back, I answered it very weird. It was not on brand. <laughs> Miss USA inspirations. If you were to have like a top three of past winners or contestants with you, who would those top be three? Who, who would that kind of Mount Rushmore be for you? Yeah. So absolutely. Number one would be Chesley. May she rest in peace. Absolutely loved her. I watched all of her interviews, studied her. She was definitely a role model within the pageant scene and even outside of the pageant scene. And then um, a few others that I absolutely adore would be Deshauna Barber that I mentioned earlier. And then I also really, hmm, trying to think who would be my third. We have some good ones. I'm gonna say Kenya Moore, just because I really love Atlanta Housewives. <laughs> and she she kills it every time. Winning Miss USA or Miss Wisconsin or winning the NBA championship, 
Oh, fire on the shelf. Why would you do that? <laughs> Ooh. First thing to come to your head. You, you, you. Mm. I'm going to say the championship. That was lit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All good, brother. All right. So now we want to jump into the winner's circle, and we're going to kind of flow through this just so, because I think there's some th uh, other questions we want to continue to ask you. Um, mm -hmm. That is intel with the, um, you know, with your pageant work and your job and things like that, that I think our, our listeners need to hear. But I want to start off with, um, the winner's circle, right? So a couple of things that we want to talk about first is a real serious topic that, you know, you're very open with and, you know, and some of your pageant questions, you know, you kind of voice, that's what you do. So um, I think I want to start with um, that you were a victim of a sexual assault in college, right? Mm -hmm. And then through that um, challenge, that trauma, you've actually, you know, started um, one organization or, you know, you kind of created the uh, Grow and Glow organization. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we're going to kind of go into that next. So just tell us about like how you overcome that or just, you know, to, to go through that kind of trauma and that challenge to be, you know, the shining star that you are today and then also advocating for women today. Yeah. So this is something that I am super, super passionate about. And another reason why I'm grateful for pageantry, because I don't think I would have dived this deep into the topic or even into my traumatic experience overall had it not been for pageantry and me wanting to shed a light on it. And so I work with an organization called In Violence Against Women and they created a campaign called Start By Believing, which says if someone ever fortunately discloses that they've been sexually assaulted, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know what to say, then you should start by simply believing them when they come to you. I think so often, even with friends or family members, and again, knowing this from personal experience, you get a lot of different reactions because it is a terrible thing that happens. And most times people's first instinct, you have one end of the spectrum is they doubt the situation. They're like, oh, well, what the typical things that you hear, like, well, why were you there? What were you wearing? All those things that you absolutely should not say. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the people that just wanna protect you. And they wanna do everything in their power to make it better, to fix the problem. And in that instance, I think you're not listening to the survivor. And so for me, um, so many people were like, oh, well, you should go to the police or you should do all these things, but I wasn't in the space to do all of those things. And so within that journey, a lot of what um, I actually wanted to do or felt like was right for me at the time was clouded by what people wanted to do to protect me. It was often where people were like, oh, well, you should go to therapy. And I 100% agree that you should go to therapy when you're ready. I went way too early and my session did not go well at all because I wasn't in the mental space to receive the help at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I think overall, just start by believing them and saying, thank you for sharing this with me. How can I best help you? Or what do you need from me in this moment? podcasting can we let's let's talk about your podcast and the new podcast that you're starting and um when you're looking to open it yeah oh we're working on it who knew coming up with the name was so hard it's like you have everything else is intact but it's just the name and finding a name but 
I, so let's start with with it's is this the pot so the podcast is kind of carrying on with you know the sexual assault or healing is it or is it a little bit of a combination of that and then what your former podcast was tell us about that. yeah so we're not going to get too much into um the sexual assault just because it's it's kind of a downer it's a little debbie downer and so um a few years ago i did a i was co-host of a podcast called outnumbered with kelly and we i'm sorry if you can hear the train in the background i live right next to a train track but we we always like to say we're making a mistake so you don't have to so our podcast was all about advice and helping other women get into the sports industry and so unfortunately we um had to stop it just due to conflict of interest within our careers but Looking back now, I think right now I'm in a great point in my life to kind of restart it, but as a solo podcast, and so it won't be called Outnumbered. It'll be have a completely different name, and I really wanted to focus on my journey within this industry because I've been through so much, and I like to think that I've learned a lot, and then also continuing um, with lessons throughout my life, but then also bringing in other dynamic women within the industry and having them share their journey as well. So overall still figuring out the knickknacks of the podcast but hoping to go live in fall of 2023 so stay tuned let's go well you know we're definitely here to support that when you kind of go out with that however we can kind of continue to push that support that whether it's through our socials channels and our medium um that's what this is for right it's giving a platform uh for for us to be heard right so make sure you subscribe to that once we get all of that information we will put that on all of our socials and update to update the notes um but i think you know so this podcast you're doing you know it's just like to building women in sports right making the mistakes so you don't have to and, and sharing mm-hmm. that knowledge and i and i also heard you say that boundaries was really important for you mm-hmm. and what you're doing and i think you're not only saying that i mean you are living that like to the damn t cuz it's like how are you so successful at your day job right when most of us are like you know hey like i mean even mh and myself had to kind of go through what was that line of doing our day job working in sports but having this podcast and 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 having the boundaries of saying like no like i can't take this late assignment because we record on you know this day at this time or hey i can't you know do this and, and and just creating those boundaries so how do you do that because Recording a podcast is a lot different than what it takes to train and, and put on pageants. I'm being pageants. Yeah, it's hard. It is very hard. But I think one, knowing yourself and knowing your schedule is very helpful. So for me, I am somebody that once I'm in it, I'm in it and I can crank out three, four episodes and then I'm good for a month. And so just making sure that you are scheduling time for yourself but then also scheduling time for all of your extended passions or opportunities that you want to do. Just listening through this podcast, I do a lot. (laughs) My schedule is very packed and I schedule everything, but then also scheduling self-care time. Like this weekend, I'm unplugging, taking a break. I may work on the podcast a little bit, but overall just taking time for myself and just understanding your personal limits what you can and what you can't handle. Maybe sometimes you do need to work a little later and then the podcast has to happen a little later. But does that mean the next day, maybe you take that day for yourself. And so making sure that you have that balance and then you also have outlets. Maybe balance for you is just sitting and watching television or maybe it's going to a yoga class. So making sure you schedule that time is 
how honestly I stay sane. Yeah, and it's so so tough to do in this kind of world. I feel like we're always doing something. We're just overly busy. Um, Do you find podcasting as a sense of therapy in a way? I know you're helping others, but does it help you too? I think so. I I don't know. I think I do so much because I genuinely want to help people and just share as much knowledge as I can because it's hard. No matter what you want to do, no matter your career path, it is hard because no one's path looks the same. No one's opportunities look the same. You're just out here figuring it out. Throw that on top of just figuring life out as a whole. It's a lot going on. And so for me, if I can just help one person, and I'm pretty sure you guys feel the same of when you're putting out the episodes, you're like, is anybody actually listening to me? Like, does anybody actually care? But then you get those random messages from people that's like, please keep doing what you're doing. It helped me do this, or it changed my mindset on this. And you're like, oh, I am actually helping people and there is a need for this space. So I would say just helping as many people as I can and being a resource to people as well. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, we like to give flowers too. So not only do we do platform, right, but we like to give flowers. And I mean, you don't want some awards, right? So not only the crown, but you win an award. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm just going to read off some of them that we found. I'm pretty sure there's like a, a whole longer list. Right. But um, what was it? The cr- culture creators or the creators what is that creators of color. You yeah. talked about, you know, being selected. You know, it's not an award, but being selected in the future stars, um, National Coalition of Black Women. Uh, what we got telly award, all, all these awards. So a testament to you, you know, working hard saying that like there's no such thing as no for you going forward but out of those like what award like meant the most to you right like and not that any one of them are less but you know sometimes you get something and i give it to you like when we got an award for this show and you know a lot of our tagline is to say award-winning you know award-winning podcast Mm -hmm. to get that you know we were like yo you know we just started doing this me and the mage like didn't even know where we were starting from so to get that is there something in any one of those awards for you I would say the Creators of Color Award from Hashtag Sports meant the most because at the time it was the first, we were the, oh goodness, tongue twister. We were the first cohort of it. And if you go back and look at the list, everybody is with these big companies or these big corporations. And then there was me with my podcast. (laughs) And so for me to have a platform that was next to somebody that was the director at ESPN or was a senior manager at Wasserman. And then there's just like Hollis, co-host of Outnumbered Podcast, the fact that I was able to create a name for it. And I was the only podcast that year as well. And so the fact that I was able to just leave a mark on something that I created myself and still be able to kind of hang with the big dogs, I would say that was that one still means a lot to me. And even the opportunities that it's continuously opening as well. Love it. Uh, anything else in this image before we go to uh, the assist? The assist. All right. So I uh, wanted to get the assist really quick from you. So this is the part of the show where you get to put your coaching hat on, right? Mm-hmm. This is where you get to either, you know, give the assist to our listeners, you know, or so it's like a quote that you live by or just like words of inspiration you would either tell your younger self or just our audience. So uh, go ahead and drop that, Jim. Well, I would say go for it. Like I mentioned earlier, don't tell yourself no. If the opportunity is not for you or you're going to get redirected, God will redirect you or somebody else will. But don't go ahead and count yourself out because there are plenty of unqualified people 
getting the opportunities. I always like to say, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So if an opportunity is for you, he's going to open that door. Let's go. Let's go. And then lastly, um, you know, when is the next run? Like, I mean, you know, we, 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 we won't, we have him singing it for you. So is that the next level? Is that the next jump? Is that what we're kind of practicing and preparing for right now? Oh, I think right now we're just seeing where life takes me. <laughs> for, <laughs> for the longest, I've always been goal-driven and I had all of these big goals. And even as I was prepping for the pageant, um, a question that you always get is, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Or what's the big goal that you're working towards right now? And at this point in my life, I've reached all of my goals. So I need to kind of refocus and come up with some new goals. So I would say just taking it slow, enjoying my downtime, this balancing moment, and just figuring out what is next for me. Love that, love that, love that. MH, final thoughts. Really appreciate your time. Learned so much about you, but just about perseverance and, um, you know, putting yourself first. So thank you for your time and best of luck to all, I mean, you do in the future. And can you say a prayer uh, for your boy? Because you seem to get your care, your prayers answered. So, <laughs> shout out, uh, shout out, shout out to your prayers. Uh, yeah, your prayer warriors, way. right? Strong. Yeah, I, I, my old pastor used to say, "There's some dead cats on the line." If, you know, my prayers might not be getting through some dead cats. So, yeah. if you can get some prayers through for your boy, I appreciate that. I love that. I'll put some up for you right now. My prayer is for discipline and. Um, and responsibility to handle whatever God has come in my way. Because sometimes you get things and you're not ready for it and you fumble it. So I'm praying that I can handle whatever's coming. That's what it is. And we got to scroll on the bottom for our viewing audience. But for our po uh, people that listen audio, go ahead and give us some of your hashtags or, or where people can reach you on your social. Oh, LinkedIn is actually my favorite social media. So in order, I would say that's probably your best way to get in contact with me is on LinkedIn. My name is Hollis C. Brown, or if you search Hollis Brown with the Milwaukee Bucks, I am the only one. So I should pop up. And then on Instagram, my name is Honestly Hollis. There it is. Well, hey, thank you so much. We appreciate the time. You know, this was definitely a learning <laughs> for us. Uh, you are definitely a great first to have on the show. Uh, so I hope people are inspired by this. And I want to thank you to people for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, as you know, we drop new episodes every Thursday. Uh, please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, right? Because visual representation matters. If you see it, you can be it. And know that you can find us on every podcast audio station. So that's Spotify, Apple, iTunes. You can say, hey, Alexa, play blocking sports, and it'll do it for you. And just please, please stay safe. Practice gratitude and know we're rooting for you. I had to look around because she'll start talking. <laughs>